Ah, oh, Placencia, you sexy son of a gun. I don't know if that's a way to refer to somebody as sexy, but it's what I did. Placencia is making the best cigars in America right now. What they are putting out consistently is excellent. And with this Honduran Puro, the 151 Coseca, this is a worthwhile stick. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy, from Placencia, the Coseca 151. Now, Coseca refers to harvest, and as I understand them, everything, uh, the wrapper, the binder, and the filler comes from the same harvest. It comes in three different sizes, the Robusto, a Toro, and the Corona Gorda, which we are smoking, which they call the San Diego, which is a five and three quarters by 46, which means it's five and three quarters inches long. Tee! Always makes Fingers Malloy laugh. And the ring gauge is a 46. That's the diameter of the cigar or how thick it is around. <laughs> Again, with the laughter. So a 64 ring gauge would be a full one inch. This smaller ring gauge for a lot of people, that 44, that 46, is where a lot of people really view the perfect level of ratio, the wrapper to the binder and the filler. So flavor comes from the wrapper. And when you're able to have more wrapper, you're able to get more flavor. It's why Fingers and I really enjoy Lanceros, that 38 ring gauge. It's about seven, seven and a half inches long. But in America, it's considered like a dainty cigar. It's not really a go-to, although you should try them. Never avoid them in, at your local tobacconist. You can get some great flavor, some great smoke out of there. So this is a really good size uh, uh, profile to be able to engage the cigar. We have smoked a fair amount of, of Posencias Del Campo, the Amos del Fuego, uh, and, and a series of others. They also have the 146 and the 149, although the 146 is now discontinued because that blend of tobacco is, is gone. They've, they've used it up, so they say. This is the newest one, and the feel of this cigar, Fingers Malloy, for a 46 ring gauge, still feels stout. I was just about to say, it's it's stocky. It's a lot heavier than I thought it was going to be. I mean, we were talking five and three quarter inches long with the 46 ring gauge. I thought, okay, this is going to be light. And then I picked it up and I thought to myself, this is a little heavier in the hand than I expected it would be. And a glorious bit of oil. And this color is, this color is sensational. Where's my, I actually want to put a, a flashlight to it. I mean, that is as beautiful of, of a dark brown it's glistening. You can see the leaf in there. You can actually follow a little bit of the vein even, which some people are bothered by. Not me. I, I, I love that. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous representation of what a cigar should look like. And a nice touch of oil yeah. on the wrapper. Absolutely beautiful. Placencia, they for forever were making the cigars for everybody else. They've got the farms. They were making uh, the cigars. And then they said, you know what? That tobacco is nice. Let's keep that over here. Oh, that tobacco is nice. Let's keep that over there. And then they started making cigars. I don't, I don't know if it was 10 years ago or 8 years ago. It could have been longer than, longer than that or shorter than that. But what they make is excellent. I have in my uh, humidor from Placencia not only the 602, which is the hexagon, that big pup. I have the Reserva, which isn't sold in the United States. It comes uh, from a friend who does uh, some trips to Amsterdam on on the regular and that cigar is under ten dollars a stick that is nearly an everyday for me that is a absolute grab works wonderfully better than a, a vast amount of cigars that i have smoked as well this one is beautiful fingers we should light up yeah we should now you know you mentioned you know this this ring gauge uh being a uh 40 45 46 46, 46 excuse me 
Uh, and you 45, 46, whatever it took. Uh, That's a Mr. Mom reference. There it is. And you mentioned that we both enjoy a Lancero. The Lancero, you know, you're looking at seven and a half inches, though, versus five and three quarters. Are you, are you at all troubled that this is a little bit, you know, No, smaller? absolute faith in them that this was the size they were going for. Actually happy that it's bigger than the Robusto at, 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 at five inches. Want a little bit more because they have a Robusto, which they call the Musica, at a five by 50. And then they have the La Tradicion, which is their Toro, five and seven eighths by 54. Now, full disclosure, I spoke, I smoked the, the, the La Tradicion uh, just yesterday. Oh, nice. Uh, and I am told that this one smokes differently. So I'm not going to give my review of what it is I experienced. He's lighting up right now, ladies and gentlemen. He's doing what we like to call the Saginaw Swish. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Um, but they, it's rare that the consistency is just so seemingly effortless. I talk about Placencia and I talk about Espinosa very often as just knocking it out of the park. I, I don't want to leave other people out. There's a whole series of cigars this year that we didn't get to, that I want to get to. We've been asked about when are we going to do Caldwell and, and a whole group of people. We're, we have to get to everybody. You're right. But I have not done any reviews. We have not talked about this year's Rare Pinks from Arturo Fuente. Stellar, stellar stuff. So there's been a lot of great cigars this year. But this, what Placencia is doing, especially at price point, especially at price point, is just absolutely knockout. We have just lit this up. So you want to get your notebook. What did you eat today? What did you drink today? What is the weather? It's a little overcast, a little chilly in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. We've had some freezing cold temperatures earlier in, in the week. Uh, I have some mixed nuts here, some cashews, some almonds, things like that. We both have some water and a, and a Diet Coke, try and keep the palate uh, clean. But what did you eat? What did you drink? Because it'll all affect your palate. And just lighting this up, fingers, what are you getting off this? So right away, there was a, a pepper for me, and I'm sure maybe that's just because of what I had to eat today. Who knows? Um, and some cinnamon. It's not a bad... That's actually not a bad call. Uh, the cinnamon on there. Um, and some wood. I, I would... First of all, there is a grand, glorious sweetness that's happening here. Um, if you could think of the idea of coffee, like not the feel of coffee grounds, but the taste of coffee grounds. That kind of very pure coffee with a little bit of nutty, that's where I'm at. Now, the fact that I happen to have some mixed nuts, it's, it's pairing beautifully. But that spice, so that spice is not hitting hard. Okay, now that I've, we, you've said it, on the, the, the larger size, mm -hmm. on the La Tradicion, it was actually hot. That's how, that's how much spice there was. I, it, it was incredible. Just hit and stayed and everything else. This, much less. Much more of that coffee nut sweetness going on and a little bit of a, of a nice smoke in, in, you know, in the palate, a little bit of creaminess. Beautiful right off the head. A, a nice, easy draw. Almost too easy. Um, oh, are you? Wait, yeah. what'd you cut? Wait, yeah. No, no. I, the, the, the no, cut. you're right. You, you yeah. cut like shallow like I did. Yeah. Straight cuts on, on these right here. And a lot of pleasant smoke coming off of this cigar. So some of you are going to look at the size and say too small. 
stop yourself, realize that you're wrong. <laughs> I am such a giving person. And then try it. Give it the go. Now, is this in your humidor? That's something we will talk about. The Placencia 151 Coseca. This is the Corona Gorda known as the San Diego 5 and 3 quarters by 46. We'll tell you uh, what the price is. You'll decide if it's in your humidor. Find everything, by the way, at eatdrinksmokeshow.com. Uh, eatdrinksmokeshow.com. And, uh, oh, this is going to be a good day. Spice is already starting to build a touch. Eat, drink, smoke. It is your cigar, bourbon, foodie, extravaganza. I'm Tony Katz. That is Fingers Malloy. Find everything at eatdrinksmokeshow.com. From Placencia, we're talking about the Coseca 151, the new release, the San Diego, which is a Corona Gorda, five and three quarters by 46. It's a Honduran Puro, meaning it's uh, the wrapper, the binder, the filler, all from Honduras. You want to get your notebook out, as we discussed, and break that cigar down into thirds. First third, second third, final third. In your mind, don't actually break the cigar. <laughs> Write down the flavor. I try to give practical advice. That is the first time in four years you've actually said that. Write down your flavors. What is it that you're getting from each section of the cigar? When you have that cigar two months later or six months later, you do it again, you get an idea of what the through line is. What are the flavors you're actually getting from the cigar? You have to get an understanding for your palate. So important to do, so easy to do. And it's this great, also, this, this journal of your cigar history, of things you've tried, and you can write other notes in it. Where, where were you? What was happening? All can bring back some pretty great memories. But this cigar, we're still into the first third. Smoking slow, smoking beautifully. Yeah, it is. Now, for me, that, that peppered spice has subsided. Uh, much more of that wood I was talking about with some coffee. Uh, I'm not really getting a lot of uh, sweetness off the, the stick that you were referring to earlier. Is it still sweet for you? Yeah. I get a nice, nice bit of coffee. A nice bit of nutty. Um, you had mentioned you got some cinnamon. I I would still put it more in just to a basic spice profile uh, mm -hmm. for for me. Just hitting nicely, but the other flavors, the the overall nutty creamy is just right on in this cigar and this forty six ring gauge. I'm loving it. Even at a forty six, right, a little smaller, uh, it, it it feels terrific in the hands. Everything about it. Just dead on. We have not had any problems with it being kept lit. We haven't had to touch it up at all. Uh, the draw has been, it's a very easy draw. Like I said earlier, lots of pleasant smoke coming off of this. It's been a very pleasant experience so, so far smoking the cigar. The question is, Fingers Malloy, the Placencia Coseca 151, the new release, is this in your humidor between $13 and $14 a stick? Okay, again, we have to do this re-examination as, as to what cigars uh, cost and if you're willing to spend it. Now, you mentioned earlier five and three quarters, uh, you know, the 46 ring gauge. That may turn some people off at, at that price point. To me, it's a yes. I would have this in my humidor because it hits all the right notes. Undoubtedly in my humidor, and I think I would buy by the box. Comes in a box of 10. So I think I'd buy by the box and just have them in there. Um, is it every day? Mm, is it once a week? Definitely. There's a place for this once a week in my flavor profile. Uh, with, without question, I think that they have done an absolutely magnificent job 
yeah. with a cigar, for sure. And it's, you know, a discussion that probably has to be had if you're in a northern state. You're not smoking as many cigars, most likely, because you, you have to go outside if you're at home. So uh, you get a box. You think maybe it'll be an everyday smoke, but then you're realizing, well, I, I'm not going out and smoking every day. So to have a box of these on hand, I yeah, I, I could see that. The Placencia Coseca, which refers to harvest, uh, with the 151 new release. Have you been smoking outside as it's gotten colder? Well, yeah, as much as I can. Yeah. As much as I can, but this is why we're concrete pours next week, we're told. Oh, nice. For the new studio space uh, and, and cigar lounge and... It's going to be excellent. I will tell you that it was very cold the other day, and I actually had one in my garage, mm. and I can still smell the smoke. Yeah. So the importance of smoke eater, the importance of the fans moving things out, it just it, it instilled in me that overkill is good as long as you create separation. So instead of bathroom fans to move things out, some people do that. I've got industrial fans that are going to be put in to get the smoke out. Remember that when you do like some kind of a cigar room in your in your house, uh, smoke eater. You'll you'll hear about that. Not necessarily spe- specifically the brand, but any uh, thing that eats smoke eats odor. The moving out of the smoke itself that is a different process. Then there's the conversation about how you move fresh air back in, depending on what room it is and and and, and where you are. Are you tied into the central HVAC? Are you using something separate? There's a lot of considerations here. But you're dealing with two things. The physical removal of smoke and then the removal of odor. Two different concepts. And they are equally as important depending on where in the house or off the house it is. Yeah, and how many smokers you have as well that you're anticipating will be enjoying the room. I talked to an HVAC guy about my garage. And he said the way that the code was for my garage I'm not going to have to have a fresh air intake because there are not enough cracks and crevices based on how the garage was built to where I should be fine getting the smoke out and not worrying about having a constant uh, flow of fresh air coming in from one place. I do have to worry about it because yeah. we're doing two by six walls to increase the insulation. Then we're uh, abutting up to a uh, an existing wall, which is brick. Mm. So there's no doubt that the fresh air intake is going to be a thing. Now, that could be solved by opening a window. Right. But weather has a play. So how do you then condition that air so you're not freezing yourself out or getting in all that humidity in, in, in the summer? That's what you're playing with. And there are a lot of tools in that. We'll, we'll get into that in the future, Fingers Malloy. But it's time right now for News of the Week. Well, as you know, Tony... Journalists around the country who are in newsrooms, they like to call me Johnny Good News. That's what they call you. Because I bring a lot of great news to the Eat, Drink, Smoke listeners, Eat, Drink, Smoke Nation, as we like to call them. Uh, Americans, according to CBS News and its report, need an extra $11,400 today just to afford the basics. Dude, I talk to economists on on my other radio shows all the time. There is no understanding this economy. The the news over the last month has been better, and you've seen it certainly in the markets. We may be on five weeks of upswing. That's, it's been a while since that uh, ha- has happened. But that story came from CBS News. Mm-hmm. You know what they said on the same day in, in a post on X Twitter? Economy's doing great. Oh. 
how how do you do that? And this is where people are. They know that everything is more expensive. They, you pointed out, Fingers Malloy, that uh, the Jeep Grand Cherokee was doing ads. We were watching a football game together uh, on Sunday. Sorry about the Lions. Really? <laughs> I am. Eight and three. Um, uh, and and, uh, and uh, they were doing an ad for the Grand Cherokee, the Grand Wagoneer. Mm-hmm. And you noticed that they were advertising rates at 5.9%. Yeah. And that, that's a sales point. And honestly, when we're looking at interest rates right now, that's not a bad interest rate. But that's but it's still an incredibly high compared to what we've had interest rate. And yet and, and we mortgage rates have come down, but that rate on cars hasn't. And then you have the idea that people aren't getting car loans because the banks fear that people won't be able to pay them back. So there's this massive credit crunch and capital crunch that's going on. What the numbers tell us versus what the experience of people are having, in every way, it is it is schizophrenic. Yeah, and we talked about this last week on the show. And if you missed any of it, of course, you can find Eat, Drink, Smoke on your favorite podcast platform. We were a little bit concerned about what retail sales were going to be like during the holiday season. You're already starting to see reports that retailers are nervous, thinking that retail sales may be down significantly this year. And the sales have been crazy. We've both talked about looking at TVs. TVs are ridiculously cheap right now. And they'll tell you that they've had the most shoppers ever. But they aren't telling you what the shoppers bought. Right. And they're not telling you, does the most shoppers ever also mean sales or were shoppers spending more money because everything is more expensive and got less for it so the numbers even out but the shopper you ended up with less we're not going to know those numbers for a while and i think i'm i it's not even a fear i think that's what we're going to find people spent money but they spent less and then there's a whole conversation about doomsday shopping i'm sorry doomsday shopping we should get into this because this is just frightening. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So fingers could not wait any longer. What is doomsday shopping? It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That is Fingers Malloy. Is this is this prepping? No. That's not where I run out and get, like, ch- chip beef and 700 rolls of toilet paper? No, but you should do that anyway if you're going to eat chip beef. <laughs> That's just a little bit of practical <laughs> advice right there. Doomsday shopping goes as follows. So we talk often about the economy and what it is that we're experiencing. And prices are up. And while inflation has been holding and is showing some interesting numbers and an opportunity for, for going down, Europe had inflation go, go down a, a, a bit. And, and hopefully that'll be maybe may a trend we'll see. We're, we'd all be better off with less inflation. Inflation is a tax. Right to have to pay more for your good because your dollar is worth less—that's that's that's not enjoyable. That doesn't make any sense. Nobody, regardless of your political affiliation, nobody should want such a thing. What doomsday shopping involves? This this started with a casual anecdotal observation, fingers that you and I have had. How are people affording things? If the economy is bad, why are the restaurants full? Yeah. If the economy is bad, why are people shopping? Now, some people explain it. Economists explain it. A, a Dr. Matt Will, who's from the University of Indianapolis, explains it this way. COVID shut down a lot of restaurants. So there are actually less options to go to. So people who want to go out have less places to go to. Thus, those places are more full. That's interesting. That is an interesting take. Then there was the people who were getting dollars to stay at home 
not to be working, not to do things. There were certain government programs, this, that, and the other. And of course that money got spent because that money wasn't worked for and people considered it free and it's a psychological thing and they were spending money. But we notice a lot of spending and it doesn't make sense. It does not compute. So for example, I talked about the fact that I'm adding on to the house. That's going to be an expensive thing to do. But I'm doing it so we have more space to create the content. That's our business. This is a business endeavor that I'm engaging in. It's not It's not this money to something, some fanciful thing. It's an investment in your future. It's not a big screen TV. Correct. Although I did buy a big screen TV. <laughs> but that was also an investment in the future to get ready for the, for the whole thing. Um, and by the way, there are some insane deals. I've also done a lot of shopping local, which is extremely important. Uh, the Doomsday Shopping refers to the idea that Gen Z, that's younger than millennials, has taken a look around them and said, it's all going to hell anyway. Might as well have new shoes. Why in the world should I prepare for the future? 76% in a poll want to live for today. So what does it matter what the credit card debt is? I'll just drop it. What does it matter? What happens next? As long as I've got the new TV, as long as I've got the new this, as long as I've got the latest that, as long as I'm buying Starbucks, I'll just keep spending. Third quarter credit card debt was $1.08 trillion. And that number should scare the living crap out of you. That's the United States. Do you have any idea what fourth quarter debt is going to look like? And so this idea of doomsday shopping is... is uh, it's an interesting term because I don't think they can get away with effort shopping, which is maybe what it is. Like, it's it's frightening. It's all hell. Unfortunately, I feel like we have done a huge disservice to young people. Not only we, we had the pandemic where we locked everything down and scared the living heck out of our kids. But then on top of it, the, the messaging uh, out there is, you know, well, geez, the planet only has 50 years because of climate change. So I wonder if some of these things have had an impact on kids where they're saying just what you, you just said, where they're, they're thinking to themselves, well, the world may not even be here in 30 or 40 years. Why should I care about my credit rating or how much debt I'm carrying? Part of the problem with that analysis, in which I'm not saying that, that you're, you're, you're wrong, but the problem that it, it, it uncovers is that when one does not plan for the future, one is saying they don't believe they have a future. That's exactly what you're saying. What does that lead to? What does that enable? What does that destroy? A, a world without standards, a, a society that doesn't see a prosperous potential future, That's not a society that can last. So if you want to talk about a real deep philosophical problem, holy mother of God, are we in it? If what you're saying is accurate, and my problem is I think you're accurate. Yeah, I mean, you're you're creating a generation that is hopeless and also uh, a generation that has a lack of faith in institutions, which there, there should be a healthy bit of that in everyone, uh, because institutions, uh, especially when, when we're talking about government or, or, or schools, are letting us down. But uh, to have young people be hopeless, that 
if that's true, that's that's scary. So when when you don't see a future, you don't do things that involve a future. Like for example, creating a family, mm-hmm. and you don't have to look far in history to recognize the nuclear family and its connection to a stable society. Because one of the things the family does, and and people I don't think think about it all the time this way, um, the the family is very much about responsibility, and so responsibility involves concepts of sacrifice. It involves concepts of work. It involves concepts of restraint. And those things are extremely important because responsibility and restraint is what allows you to provide. If you have no restraint, oh, I'm just going to spend whatever, just put it on a credit card, who cares about the debt? And then you have no responsibility. Yeah, I'm not going to pay the credit card. Who cares? Somebody else's problem. It's a victimless crime. They've got insurance. All these things that we hear about you create a level of, you know, we think of entitlements as for, for the wealthy. That's often how it gets described because people politically describe it like that. It's not it. Entitlement is the feeling that I can do whatever and, and, and who are you to say and who cares and what's the big deal? The big deal is that societally it, it can't, it, you cannot build a society. And this is where things like the church, religion in general, have usually stepped in and have been... For all their problems, and we could talk about the issues with organized religion from now to the end of time, they've been successful in this. And when people are like, ah, that doesn't matter, ah, who cares? Your point becomes much grander. That if they are hopeless, if they have nothing to strive for, if they have no desire for responsibility, eventually that emptiness needs to be fulfilled. And they start looking for things and the things that are out there that will fill the void, those are the things that absolutely destroy societies. And I'm talking about destroying people. But also it feeds into the effort attitude when it comes to shopping because you try to fill that void, that emptiness instantly by Which making purchases. Which is what some of doomsday shopping is, right? Yes, exactly. So it, to me, these are just, that, that's troubling that this is becoming a thing because you know, every generation worries about the generations that are coming up and they're going to eventually be running uh, the world. But it, you, you see so many young people with so much potential. And if there really is truly a sense of hopelessness in, in, in the future, whether there's even going to be a future or their future, because they're leaving college with an astronomical amount of debt that they were kind of roped into. Boy, this is just a, a recipe for disaster. The weirdest part of this conversation is that it's all fixable. Yeah. Uh, parents, uh, adults, uh, faith leaders, this stuff is fixable, but it involves being open and honest with, with, with your kid, open and honest with each other. A, 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 it involves self-reflection and, and introspection. There's nothing tougher than looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, damn it, I was wrong. But what's hard about it is it is fixable, but it's hard work. It's very easy to be negative. Oh, super easy. Super easy. Like when I talk about your haircut and how absolutely ridiculous it is. Thank goodness your hair is growing in. He shaved his head and it freaked me out. And I wasn't okay for a while. But now his hair is growing in a little bit. See, that's negative. I walked in here full of hope. And now I I leave the first hour of this show feeling completely hopeless. But you weren't full of mohawk. And I need you full of mohawk at all times. We'll work on it. Just give it a little time. Is it done yet? This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.
Jack Daniels. I mean, sometimes it's all you have to say. Nothing more or nothing less. And people are who drink bourbon, drink whiskey, of course, uh, uh, Jack Daniels, not in the bourbon family because they don't want to be. Uh, they'll be like, oh, no, I wouldn't drink that. Yes, 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 you should drink that. It's still, to date, a wonderful, wonderful bit of, of, of whiskey to sip. That Tennessee whiskey is right on. But if you had the 10-year, the 10-year, age statement right on there, the 10-years-old Jack Daniels, well, we're about to. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. Find everything we do at eatdrinksmokeshow.com. This is the Jack Daniels 10-year-old Tennessee whiskey coming in at 97 proof. Just misses the 100 proof cutoff to get applause from Fingers Malloy, a mash bill that is 80% corn, 12% malted barley, and 8% rye. That would tell me just from the mash bill, sweet on sweet on sweet. They didn't try and cut that sweetness with a higher rye content. They said, bring it on, smooth it out with the malted barley. That's what they that's what they said. That's what the mash bill is telling me. The color is beautiful. The color is beautiful in that copper right there. It's not not too dark. We're not into the ambers, not into the reds. It's still a bit golden and sticking to the glass. We've got the Glen Cairn glasses out. We do it neat. The Glen Cairn glass, it's the foot, then it bows out and kind of swings back in. That way you can really get your nose in there. Fingers, you got your nose in there, didn't uh-huh. you? And Jack. <laughs> It's got the banana. It's got the caramel. There's a touch of alcohol. Uh, yep. There's a touch right there of the ethanol uh, on on the back. But that's that is a fruitier nose than I was gonna than I was expecting. Mm. And when I say fruity, there's a it it it, it is dark fruit. It is it is plum esque um, in, in there. There yes, there is the banana, and there's a lot of sugar. There's a lot of sweet coming off that as an attractive attractive piece and you do get a little bit of the oak as well I'm kind of taken by the other things okay I'm kind of taken by the other things uh, for me to get the oak in this I I want my oak a little more prominent I always do today you have been gravitating towards the sweet a little bit more than because you said the same thing about the cigar I wasn't getting as much sweetness out of the cigar as you were or are and you're getting a little bit more of the sweetness than I yeah, am. Cigar, the, the Placencia 151 Coseca, which is just out. They released this at the Premium Cigar Show in Vegas uh, back uh, in, in the summer. It is just now released, uh, and we are into the second third of the cigar. We'll talk more about it in a little bit. But this is the Jack Daniels 10-year, 97 proof. This was released back in 2021, but it, it was funny. The, our, our, our people here at Blend Bar Cigar just pulled it out and were like, yes. That I can't say I spend every waking hour in a liquor store, <laughs> but I can tell you in the times that I have, I haven't seen this. So I don't see this everywhere. Uh, the tenure from Jack Daniels, fingers boy. Are you ready for this, Tony? I've been ready for this all day. We start it neat. Fingers Malloy will take the sip. It's called the Kentucky Chew. Move it around the palate. Get a feel for uh, the the liquid inside. Sometimes you want to take two sips. The first one to set the taste buds, the second sip really to get an idea of flavors. Fingers Malloy. It's nice. First of all, barely a stung. Barely a stung? Barely. I saw barely a stung open up for Duran Duran in 1984. 
I think that should be part not. of the new, you know, Let's Go Bourbon Volume Two. That's uh, a stung. That's a sting on the tongue. Uh, that's where I was going for the nice. barely a sting on the tongue. Nothing uh, in the chest as far as a burn goes. Uh, I gotta tell you. It's not as sweet to me as as Jack is. You get a little bit of that banana, uh, some caramel, that oak is there, and there's a little bit of spice. It's not nearly as sweet as I thought it was going to be. Especially at at that high corn content. But I got to tell you, really enjoyable. That ethanol alcohol you were talking about on the nose, none of that on the palate. It's very nice, smooth, wonderful. Well, I'm going in. I'm going in for the Jack Daniels 10-year, the Tennessee whiskey. A little bit of raisin on the end there, too. But I could I could call that a sweetness, couldn't I? Yeah. Okay. But it's not, sure. it's not uh, brown sugar, vanilla. Caramel. I just don't like referring to anything as raisin. Okay, go ahead. Not a, not a fan. Here I go, fingers. He's going in, ladies and gentlemen. He's doing what we like to call the Memphis Munch. The Saginaw Swish. Okay. That is way drier than I was expecting. I was expecting something rich. That fruit is really, really on the tongue. Oh, that finish is way better than 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 at first. Oh, that finish is kind. That is kind. Uh, it that little play. bit of banana. That little bit of banana is there. It gets a touch. Gets a touch thick. You can call it creamy, you can call it leathery. I, I think different people have different ways. But that that dark fruit thing that just that just plays. And there's a little bit of the wood. There's a little bit mm-hmm. of the oak in the fin. Oh, the palate itself, the first sip, you're like, I'm not sure, because it comes across as dry. Uh, but, oh, that is complete in the cheeks. And by the way, you're right. Not, you forgot it went down. There is not an ounce of heat in the chest at all. I never would have guessed if you would have put that in front of me that it's nearly a hundred proof. Oh, not not at all. Not at all. That is like there's one where I'm not going to be upset when I move it to a big rock, but maybe I would like it it neat. You know, I, I guess I guess it depends. Yeah. On that. This is this is a nice, nice piece here. Now, I'm looking it up on uh, on Drizzly, which should be a sponsor of Eat, Drink, Smoke, to see what this thing is 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 costing a bottle. And of course, they don't have a price. <laughs> I have seen this. I guess this might have been when it first came out at $70 a bottle. Okay. But I have also seen this, Fingers Malloy, priced at two hundred and ninety nine dollars a bottle. Uh, okay, at seventy dollars a bottle, Tony. Especially if you're a Jack fan and you're around a bunch of Jack fans, I think it would be a fun bottle to bring out, and I would pay seventy dollars for it. Three hundred, it's good. It's not three hundred dollars a bottle. Good in my mind. What do you think? It could uh, depend on which batch it is, because there's a batch one and there's a batch two. The batch two I saw for two ninety nine. I seen a batch one here for ninety two dollars. So you're gonna be spending give or take a hundred bucks on batch one. Oh, that's an interesting price. Yeah. My problem is 
that finish is still staying with me, and I love it. I don't like it. I love really it. Really dry. Uh, uh, totally dry on the palate. But that finish, that fruit, it's nicely coated. It, feel, it feels good. Mm-hmm. It does feel good. It feels the right kind of, of warm but not overwhelming. The right kind of, uh, of that mix of, of the dark fruit and the banana and, the, and that oak that, that kind of mellows it through. The Jack Daniels 10-year-old Tennessee whiskey. Oh, goodness gracious. I think I may have found something here. In today's world, tradition is not what it used to be. And this is very true when it comes to weddings. So, for example, younger generations don't look to engagement rings to be diamonds. They're much more into gemstones because they want something very personal and that nobody else has. Then there's the idea of the wedding itself, where... There are no rules. You don't have to be wearing the tux anymore. The dress can be any color. The location can be anywhere. And then what you feed people, well, that can even be KFC. That's right. Fried chicken wedding. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. That is Fingers Malloy. And we here approve of fried chicken at all times. There it is. That is the official clap of approval from Fingers Malloy. There is uh, this Facebook post that's making the rounds about this woman out of Singapore who had a Kentucky Fried Chicken-inspired wedding. So uh, they actually had the backdrop of a KFC bucket, and it said it's finger-looking good. <laughs> and they had cutouts of chicken sandwiches and, and drumsticks and the bucket Oh, chicken. Her bouquet was chicken. <laughs> it was in the KFC paper... And it had some flowers, and then it had one, two, three, four, six drumsticks. Now, look, if you told me you were going to feed your guests KFC, I'd have no issue with it. If you have a KFC bouquet, perhaps we've gone a bit too far. How do you throw that? Piece by piece? (laughs) Sauce or no sauce? There's a series of questions here that have to be answered. And what is the official toast? Is it KFC gravy? Mm, I like that. I like that. That, that, That's a, 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 a yes. I don't, I, I, I get that people want things that are unique and they want things that are, that are different. I think that that's fun. I think that's fine. I, I like the creativity and, and I like the idea that they don't feel tied to tradition. But there's a difference between being unique and, and forgive the way I say this, Fingers Malloy, I don't mean to come across crude or crass. There's a difference between being unique and being dumb. <laughs> wow. And and the the bouquet of chicken. Which if KFC doesn't start selling for Valentine's Day right now, I don't even know what's happening. Because see, that I'd buy. Mm-hmm. You come home, bring your wife a bouquet of KFC. Literally, it's some flowers and like like six six drums. I honestly think for certain couples, that's love. Now we've done stories like this before I believe a couple of years ago there was a Taco Bell and they may still be doing this in Vegas where you could get a Taco Bell themed wedding at the restaurant uh, this seems to me more of a thanks or, or a uh, Valentine's Day themed thing I believe White Castle does a theme White Castle does uh, white linen tablecloth service you make reservations they bring the food to you People have been doing White Castle for Valentine's Day for years. So Valentine's Day I get, but don't you feel like as you're reading this story, 
that five years from now there's going to be regret. That the, when when the story comes out, when you're telling your friends or your your grown children one day that you got married and you had a KFC themed wedding, I'm all for doing it on the cheap, not having a fifty thousand dollar blowout wedding and using that money uh, in a different way, perhaps towards your retirement or a house as opposed to having the big party. But don't you feel like this just is setting yourself up for regret later on? So a couple things on that. First, if there were regrets, he should have never come to the uh, to the to the altar. That that should have been person talking, and foremost. I'm talking about the wedding, not the marriage. Uh, secondly, they met uh, on a dating app, and their first date was at a KFC. So can we discuss that for a moment? What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. Okay. I just don't think I could get away with it. I mean, I, 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 I'm just saying. How many people had their first date at an Applebee's or a wedding theater or a wedding theater, a movie theater? That doesn't mean you have your wedding at the movie theater or at an Applebee's. So your question was, will they regret it? Allow me for a moment. I have a world-class marriage. My wife is a spectacular woman. I could not be a happier guy. It is glorious. I know it bothers some that I'm happy, but I don't worry about those Do you people. you really believe that it bothers people that you're oh, happy? Oh, I, I, I believe it like I know the sun rises in the east. Of course I believe it. There are people who are unhappy with their marriages and can't believe that other people aren't equally unhappy. Well, those aren't friends. Well, yeah, I, I, I know that. I'm just saying that there are people out there. That's bizarre. It's 100% true. It's totally true. I'm willing to put money on it, no question. We had a wedding in Jersey. We paid for it ourselves, so we had to. We did it on a Sunday afternoon. Popeye's we did chicken? A buffet. If we did not, that would have been better. We did it buffet style. We had the DJ, not the band. New Jersey weddings are these big, extravagant affairs. And we discussed going to Italy instead. We should have gone to Italy instead. Mm-hmm. The marriage is what matters. Who gives two holy craps about the wedding? And I will tell you that I am a man of very, very few regrets. I regret the wedding. I regret doing the whole thing. For a group of people who are all somewhat very nice, but I don't speak to have to that, anymore. That's where I was going to go. You invite 250 people. Wait, whoa, whoa, we're not crazy. We invited 100. Okay. A 250, I don't understand. I don't. Okay, 100 people. Realistically, off the top of your head. 12. <laughs> I mean, honestly, 20 some odd years later, you're not talking to any of these all right, people. Honestly, nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is it is true, and some people, you know, you move and people grow apart, and then there are, are some things that are, that are differences, and, and some people engage in things where you're like, yeah, I don't think I want to be a part of that uh, anymore, and some people die, right? So there's a whole series of things that goes on, but I we would have rather had the um, the three weeks in Italy memories and photos that would have been better for us, but we were young. And we were dumb, and we thought that this is what you do, and we wanted to do what it is that you do. And that that's one of the things I do appreciate about generations today. They don't feel encumbered by that. It took me a while to learn not to have those encumbrances, not to feel that, that, that you know, need to, to, to satisfy other people's thoughts on how it should go. I don't own any. I'm, that's all gone from me. I'll, I'll tell you this much. I admire this couple more than someone who has a destination wedding where they expect all of their guests to fly to Acapulco or 
Uh, well, I guess it depends on the destination. If somebody had a wedding at Harrah's in Vegas, right next to the video poker. Yeah. No, not, well, okay, now you're talking turkey. Right? Now, you're, you're, now you're talking my language. Or would you go because you're already there anyway? <laughs> well, not only would I go, I would offer to be the officiant in that wedding. You know? By the way, Fingers Malloy will marry you. Both Fingers and I have the weird distinction of each in our lives having married other people. But you've done it more than once. Have no, you? I've only done it once. Once, yeah. yeah. I, I did it once, and I'm, I, I, I don't think I'll ever do it again. No? Oh. When I got asked to do it, it was by somebody I, I worked with. Young guy, good guy, uh, now a, a, a pretty interesting uh, celebrity name. Um, I'm like, okay, but we have to sit and talk. And okay, we have to meet. And okay, I have to meet your family. And okay, we have to go through a lot of, like, it was it was months. So I could feel comfortable knowing that I was doing the right thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I can see that. These were friends of mine that I'd known for years. I didn't ask to meet the family or anything. Oh, you should always ask to meet the family. Get a little cash on the side. <laughs> oh, I got paid. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, asking questions of people for free. I got drink tickets. <laughs> so we both won. Fingers Malloy, there is good news. Finally, you can get your own Cybertruck. Oh, that's good news. Teaching Smoke, I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is Elon Musk. Find everything we do at eatdrinksmokeshow.com. Do you like my X? You're the dumbest person I know. That's, that's my Elon Musk. X. X is Twitter, and Twitter is X. Cybertruck is the latest Tesla off the line. It is the futuristic freak mobile that is now, you, you can go place your order. And fingers below, let me tell you what a good deal that you're going to get. Oh. If you uh, get the rear wheel drive version, 250 mile estimated range, 0 to 60 in 6.5 seconds. That will only set you back sixty-one thousand dollars. Sixty-one grand. Sixty-one thousand dollars. Okay, I got to tell you, I'm not running out and buying one tomorrow, but that's a lot less expensive than I thought it was going to be. But wait, there's more. Oh, okay. You can get the all-wheel drive version that's available in 2024, a 340 mile range, zero to sixty in 4.1 seconds. A top speed of 112 miles per hour with 600 horsepower, 7,435 pound-feet of torque, and 11,000-pound towing capacity. Estimated price of $79,900. Less than I thought it was going to be. Fingers, we don't stop there. You can get the Cyber Beast, which is, of course, Fingers Malloy's name on Tinder. Delivery in 2024, a 320-mile range. Zero to 60 in 2.6 seconds. 130 miles per hour, top speed, 845 horsepower, 10,296 pound-feet of torque, and 11,000 11, pound towing capacity. It's yours for $99,990. Do you get free oil changes? Free oil changes? Wait, does it even have oil? I don't know. I don't think, I don't think it would. I don't think that's how it... And how it works. Uh, you know people are going to buy these. And if I put $250 down, I can order it today. You can order it today and probably get it in 2025. So here's the question. The price of Teslas has gone down tremendously. And certainly America has said, hey, thanks. We're not really that interested in electric vehicles. There's a market. And I don't mind it going to market. I mind force that California and Michigan 
are both mandating that, that you can't even sell anything but electric vehicles in their states. For California, I think it's 2030, and for Michigan now, it's 2040. That's despicable. It is not only because, like you said, it's forced, but it's also forcing traditional internal combustion engine manufacturers to have to play in a, a game that they aren't used to playing in. I mean, this is this is right it, down Tesla's alley, obviously. But when you've got businesses that have built cars for hundred years with with an internal combustion engine, all of a sudden uh, you have to switch over to electric vehicles. That's not an easy transition. And you have to now transition people into buying them. Well, there again, trying to do it with force, and the people have said no. This isn't for us because I'm not buying a $99,000 electric vehicle. Let's go to the, the, the lower price one, the $60,900 one. You're telling me I can't get a pickup truck for less money that's going to do me just fine? It's got a satellite radio and some leather seats? Of course you can. But the other thing, and I, I had this story that we didn't touch on in uh, News of the Week. Consumer Reports came out. Uh, with a study saying that EVs significantly are less reliable than gas engine cars. So the reliability issue comes into play, too. You're spending that kind of money on a, a vehicle that's an EV. You're going to hope that it's not going to break down on you in the first 10,000 miles. So because this is newer technology, there's going to be reliability issues. But, uh, man, that's a lot to ask for, for for customers to pay that kind of money and then find out that the car may not be nearly as reliable as a traditional internal combustion engine vehicle. I, I again, I, I, for the record, because some people are like, oh, you're crazy if you own an EV. You own what you want to own. Who am I? Somebody out there once purchased gladly the Pontiac Aztec. <laughs> Don't tell me that people can't buy what they want to buy. I have one. I've got no, a, you've got I've a got hybrid. A, well, yeah, but it's a plug-in hybrid. It's a Volt that you can run strictly on the battery for less than 53 miles. I, I had my reasons for buying it. There's places where I could charge it for free. But I made that decision on my own. It wasn't forced down my throat. But people don't feel the level of ugh for hybrids that they do for electric. Hybrids people get. Hybrids people are like, okay. That's cool by me. And I haven't heard anybody discuss that hybrid sales are somehow suffering. It's the idea of the all-electric. Now, I, I will tell you a full disclosure that here in Indianapolis for my radio shows, I have a sponsor, a local uh, car dealership. Uh, and they have me driving. Uh, it's a Ford a dealership. And they have me driving the Mach-E, which is the electric Mustang. Now, why they called it the Mustang, I have absolutely no idea. And everybody's angry about that. Yeah. As a car, it's cool as could be. Absolutely. But I get that it's price and everything else. It doesn't have a mass audience for it. Is it great? Is it comfortable? Is it, it, does, it, does it work? It, like, like a top. Yeah. Not an issue to it. But they, And they should be allowed to sell it. Ford should be allowed to offer that out into the world and someone's interested in that thing and there you go. But in the main, people are staying away. But my question is, are... You know, companies like Ford and uh, Stellantis and General Motors, are they building these vehicles because they really feel like this is where the market is heading? Or do they feel like they have to prepare uh, for what the market is going to be in the future because of government regulation? And that's just it. We're no longer talking about the market. We're talking about market manipulation. 
And market manipulation is terrible. Market manipulation is wrong. And that's what they're doing, trying to dictate behaviors as opposed to recognizing that some people can't afford the behavior that you're trying to dictate. And they, government officials uh, in in states and and federally, they don't seem to care. And and people haven't voted in a way to make them care. Because that's the only way you get a Politico to change their mind. You got to make them care through the vote. Yeah, and the other thing that's troubling about this this move to to EVs is how government is trying to figure out ways of making up for the fact that they aren't getting that gas tax revenue that they were getting from internal combustion engines. Uh, you know, you're you're hearing about registrations going up for EVs versus uh, a regular car. Uh, also, there's been talk. I don't know. There may be some states that are doing this now. I don't have the the information in front of me where there'll be a mileage tax where they could they could keep track of how many miles you are driving in an EV and they will tax you that way. That's spooky stuff to me. Super spooky and that the the technology piece I think is another reason people do stay away. Uh so it, it's funny. I I can either drive that or I can drive my 1996 Ford Bronco XLT. <laughs> which is close to being done. The, the swing arm for the spare, I, I was able to purchase, get all the parts. That's going to that's be going on next week. Uh, I have a little bit of trim work left to do. I am complete on, on that vehicle. That's cool. Unfortunately, it's the time of year where I have to store my uh, 2004 Chevy SSR. It breaks my heart. But it's got a V8 engine in it. So you got that I'm burning going for some, you. I'm burning some gas. Right. We're doing our part. To destroy, but it like no good. There, there's no computer. I I love I I love the idea that there's none of that. They're easier to work on. I I mean to, to take a, a newer car into a, a mechanic now, you have to have specialized tools, and they're cramming a whole bunch of things into a small area. It's very difficult to work on your own car nowadays. We are smoking the Coseca from Placencia, the 151 just released. The Honduran Puro, the wrapper, the binder, filler, Honduran, thirteen to fourteen dollars a stick on this five and three quarter by forty six. It's a wonderful cigar, absolutely wonderful. And this Jack Daniels ten year, do it neat, seventy five dollars a bottle, eighty dollars a bottle. If I can find it, there'll be one in the in the liquor cabinet. I mean, just neat with the dark fruit, the banana. Uh, it it played just wonderful. Actually impressed by what the 10-year Jack Daniels was offering. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com and get Let's Go Barbecue and Let's Go BBQ at Amazon.com. It's a great book. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Follow Eat, Drink, Smoke on social media, on Twitter, at Go Eat, Drink, Smoke, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Eat, Drink, Smoke, and Instagram, at Eat, Drink, Smoke Podcast.